All right, everybody. Hey, I want to welcome you. Welcome to, welcome here to New Life. Glad you guys, uh, glad you guys made it. Glad you came out. Hope that you're excited to be here. I hope that in your heart you're like, you're prepared to be here. Um, if you are a guest with us, I want to personally say thanks for uh, taking your time out of your schedule to be here and worship with us. Um, it's just a great honor uh, for, for you to uh, come and join us. I believe that uh, we've got a great church. I believe God's blessed us in a lot of different uh, unique ways here. And I hope that your experience with us is one that you walk away and you feel the same way. I hope that you walk away and you just go, man, I am so glad I came to church today. Uh, today, no matter who you are, you're here and I, I need to let you know, warning, all right, um, God is wanting to impact your life today. God's wanting to get a hold of you. God's wanting to get your attention today. So if you've got a lot of distractions that are going on, I'm just going to encourage you. Do you want to maximize this time or you want to waste this time? Because if you want to maximize it, then you're going to, I want you to take a couple of moments just to figure out how to take those distractions and put them in your back pocket just for a few moments. Um, and over these next few minutes that we have together, I believe that the Holy Spirit can get a hold of your life. Speak some things into you that could transform you forever. Change your life for eternity if you allow him to. That's the power of God. That's the power of the God that we serve. That's the power of the God that we preach here at New Life. It's a God that transforms our life in radical ways that is unwilling to leave us the same way that he finds us. So I hope that's why you're here today. I hope that uh, you experience the God I just talked about. His name is Jesus. So in this journey that we've been on, uh, we've been talking a little bit about the circle to true life. The circle to true life. Now, the circle to true life is behind me. All right, uh, I've filled it in twice, so if you are here for the very first time and you want to know how this all goes together, then you're probably going to want to go back and you're going to want to listen to weeks one and two. You can listen to those weeks online if you go to our website, newlifecarney.org. Then you can click on some of our archived uh, HD videos of these past weeks and you can watch those. Um, that will just help you get caught up to speed a little bit, but basically... What we've done here is we've drawn, we've drawn a circle, all right? And uh, inside the circle is God's kingdom. Outside of the circle is man's kingdom. That's where we're all born. We're all born into man's kingdom. And God is wanting to draw us to the center of his will, where our life is the most fulfilled, where we find the most joy, where we discover what it really means to be alive on this earth. But to get from man's world into God's kingdom, you have to step over the line. That's putting your faith in God through Christ. So today, we've talked about, in week one, what it meant to step over this line. In week two, then we talked about what it means to start walking in your faith. What it means to really start just kind of getting your feet underneath you and really figure out what it means just to have a relationship with God. This week, I want to teach you a whole new lesson. I want to teach you how to take that walking and turn it into running. I, saw, I told you last week, every toddler... Every toddler's dream is to run, not just walk, right? Every time, yeah, right. If you've had kids, you know every toddler's dream is to run, not just walk. They want to figure out how to create space between you and them, no matter where they are. And they bolt it, they beeline it to get there. In our spiritual life, there's this intuitive desire to run. There's an intuitive desire just to pursue after God. But there's other things that get in the way called self, sin, things that hinder us. Talk about some of those things today. I want to help you be a runner. So in running, 
in running, let's just kind of draw a little spiritual journey here really quick. And then I can help you understand maybe a little bit better what it is that I'm talking about. Everybody starts outside of the circle because we're all born into sin. So we journey, and some of us, like myself, we journeyed way out here to the corners. <laughs> we wanted to search out the dark corners of the world to find out what it really meant to be alive. Um, that was our sinful nature that took us out there. Some of you, you didn't go out that far. But nevertheless, God's been pulling us back, all right? And so one day, Jeff Baker at 3 o'clock in the morning surrendered his life to God in an apartment in Bellevue. And bam, Bellevue, Nebraska, I jumped into God's kingdom. I put my faith in God through Christ. Then I began to walk in God's kingdom. And I began to figure out those basic things. But now today, in the journey, it's turning. It's this phase right here. It's this 90 degrees. What I want you to do is hold your arm up like this with me just for a moment. All right? And then I just want you to drop it to 90, okay? Just drop it like that. All right, if some of you guys have shoulder problems, this might be a good exercise. Yeah, yeah. No, no, don't fan anybody. I was just... Okay, so, so you're like this, okay? All right, you're like this? Now just kind of move it up like this. Now what is that? Yeah, if you said 45, high-five the person next to you, okay? Because that is one smart answer. All right, there you go. Not very many high-fives going on, but I heard more. All right, so this 45 here, all right? This is bad. Say bad. 90? Good. All right, come on. Now, what do you guys think this is? Adult church or something? Get your arms up. Let's go. All right. So, 90? Good. 45? 90? Okay, there we go. All right. Just joking. Just joking. What I want to help you do today is I want to help you figure out how to take a 90-degree turn and start heading straight to the center of God's will. You might say, I'm already there, Jeff. I've already got that all figured out. Okay, good. Then just hear the message out and see if you agree. Maybe you might find the Holy Spirit's telling you some stuff about how you might be able to do this running even better. Because there's a couple of you, there's probably a few of you that's in your desire to get to the center of God's will, you've done a few different things. There's a few different paths that people typically take. The first one is, I like to call call it the crisscross path of running. All right, the crisscross path that's, I took my 90 here. And then I beelined it, but I ended up right past, right? And then I, okay, I got, oh, man, okay, I got that screwed up. All right, now I'm back again. Oh, oh, man, doggone it, I missed it. Oh, and then I'm back, and and then I'm back, and then I'm back, and then I'm, oh, my word, what is going on? It looks really nice in red, but it's not a great journey. That kind of a journey, spiritually and running, typically occurs because of fear, the fear of total commitment. It's, it's this desire to do great things for God, but it's, uh, it's always that self gets in the way. There's a great fear in the heart of man of what it would really be like just to give it all and the center, just to find yourself gravitationally pulled to the center of God's will. Why? Because intuitively you know there's going to be a great cost. Need it? So for some of us, it's the fear of commitment. Like, if I make the commitment, will I be able to follow through with it? But it's fear. Fear a lot of the times keeps us doing this kind of a star pattern, crisscrossing journey. We get, to the, we get close, and then we, we're away. And then we get close, and then we're away. We get close, and then we're away. Then you got the other folks, those 45-degree kind of people. Those, those people in their spiritual journey... They make this turn right here. They, they've kind of got this all figured out, this, the basics of what it means to really walk in your, in your faith with God. But 
Then when they make this turn, instead of it being a 90, it's more of a 45, and they just, oh, they just, they just jet off, like in their own direction. And this, many times with a false understanding of God's word, many times they're looking for a quick fix to their life. They hear about some belief, they hear about some doctrine, they hear about some, you know, current fad of teaching, and they just take off on their journey. It's not even centered on God, it's just, it's just completely disturbing to them. And they, they run this course only to find themselves back out here walking again. They get frustrated with that and they go, they're, they're out, they're, there must be something new. And it's all about self. It's all about pleasing me. It's all about what can I gain out of this. And so they find the next fad spiritually and then brump and they run again. But they're never, they've never got their compass heading on the center of God. It's always on the center of self. It's always on the center of, I don't want to miss out on the current fad. And then they get back over here again and they start walking and then they, they well, they jet off again best approach obviously is 45 is bad 90 is good but 90 at the right pace this star pattern thing is definitely not what i want you to do i want you to figure out how to take that 90 degree turn and just run completely abandoned to god there was a man that came to jesus one day he was it's referred to in the Bible, if you're reading in Mark chapter 10, that you would run across this heading that says, rich young ruler. This rich young man comes up to Jesus. He goes, what, what's it going to take for me to get eternal life? Well, what's it going to take for me to run straight to the center of your, of your will? And Jesus looks at the man, and he begins to basically prophesy to him. You know, you know what the law is. You've lived the law. And he spells out all these commandments that this young man has been able to follow. And the young man goes, yes, that's been me. I, I've followed you. I've walked steady in my faith ever since I was just a little boy. Man, I, I just want to follow you. And everything gets really quiet. And Jesus looks at the young man and he says to him, okay, if you want to follow me, then do this one thing. Go sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor. And in Mark chapter 10, it says that this young man becomes very sad. Because it says that he's extremely rich and he has a lot. And his heart becomes sad because he just can't give up his richness to follow Jesus. Now, if you've ever heard that passage preached before, many times it's on, it's on the attitude of, you know, oh, I can't believe that this guy wouldn't give up his riches to follow Jesus. You know, man, I'll tell you what that means. And it's even been preached before. Well, you shouldn't be rich because if you're rich, then, it's gonna, then you're not going to be able to follow Jesus. I'm telling you, although the Bible says very, very straight, hey, it's hard if you have riches to follow Jesus. But I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you today, it's not impossible. It's just one thing that God asked for out of our lives. There's a lot of things that God asked for. Riches is just one of them. So if you hang your hat on the fact that, and you can't be rich and follow Jesus, you're on the 45 path. Because God can bless you financially and you can still be 100% abandoned to Christ. Jesus knew that in this man, that was the thing that was keeping him from taking and turning the 90 degrees and running straight to the center. You know what saddens me about the man? What saddens me about the man is that he was offered a front row seat with Jesus, and he chose not to take it. You know what it means for you to run straight in your spiritual journey? It means for you to take a front row seat with God. A front row seat with God. Out of the bleachers, 
out of the running, out of the walking, you know, steady, way out in the bleacher seats, to come right in and take a front row seat with God and to go on a journey with Him. But just like the rich young ruler, you need to know something today. It's going to cost you something. And it's going to be different for each of you. It might be that God comes to you about your riches, but it might be that God comes to you about a sin. And it might be that God comes to you, you know, about uh, uh, relationships. And it might mean that God comes to you about habits. It might be that God just comes to you about your focus on Him. But it's going to cost you something. So how do you run straight in your faith? To run straight in your faith, you've got to believe that God gives the grace to accomplish His plan. That God gives the grace. That God is the one who developed your life plan. And God's the one who wants you to accomplish your life plan more than you could ever before. God's the one who developed the center of your will. He's the one that developed it. He's the one that wants to get you there. He's the one that wants to direct you there. He's the one that will provide everything you need to live there. Our role is to figure out how to run. Running is by faith. Putting our 100% faith in God. Not not just in stepping into his kingdom out of, out of the world. It's putting our faith in God that says, I believe that by your grace, you've developed the plan and there's nothing that I can do other than surrender and to run. So in the attitude of understanding God's grace to accomplish your plan, I want to direct you to a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Why don't you take a look at this with me? It says, don't you realize that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are, are uh, disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with a purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after... After preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You've got to believe that God gives grace for you to accomplish your plan. And if you believe that God gives grace for you to accomplish your plan, then that's lived out by you running to win. The attitude of, I run to win. I run to get to the center. I run to win, not just to, you know, start, start to get there and then jet off at a 45 somewhere or start to get there but then blaze right past it. No, winning is getting caught at the center of God's will and staying there. Running, running to win, getting to the center. And who's the one who's cheering you on to get to the center? Who? God. God is your best cheerleader. God's the one that's going, run this way. Come this way. Winning is getting to the center of God's will and it's staying there. It's not just running casually when you feel like it. It's not just running when you think it's the right time. It's, it's an abandonment to God. It's a complete surrender to God. It's running even when you're not comfortable to run. Running to win. So running to win, how, how would you take that and apply it to turning this 90 degrees how would, you, how would you run to win and take it and turn the 90 degrees and run straight to the center of God's will? I'll tell you. It's going to require a strong desire for God to control every area of your life. Every area of your life. You've got to have the attitude of, I'm not going to stop running until He is done running with me. 
Meaning, I'm going to run every single day of my life until God says, Jeff Baker, you have no life left. Come home, be with me. That reminds me a lot of a funeral service that happened right in this place yesterday for an incredible woman. Her name was Ruth King. Ruth King, 97 years old. An incredible saint of God with an amazing, amazing story. Who attended this church for many, many years and planted churches and pastored and you know, did different types of ministries. She was an incredible woman. At 97 years old, she gave up her last breath. But all the way to her last breath, you know what the mission of her life was? I want to run until God takes my last breath away from me. How do I know that she ran? Just a couple of months ago, at 97 years old, she led one of the workers that helped her medically to the Lord. She kept leading people to Jesus, even at 97. She knew That to run to win meant that she was going to spend eternity with God in heaven and she was going to make sure that there was a whole host of others doing the very same thing. Running to win. She didn't run just to finish average. She didn't run just to finish. She ran to win. Are you running to win? She also understood that to run to win meant that my life wasn't my own. This life that I have, these possessions that I have, all this stuff that I have, it's not mine. It actually belongs to God. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us. It says this to us. You, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. That's what Ruth knew. Today, Ruth was standing in front of us. That's what she would tell us. Your life's not your own. You don't get to call the shots. God gave you this life and he wants you to surrender and run with everything you have to the center of his will. And then she would tell us this profoundly. God takes care of what he owns. So if you want to own yourself, then you get to take care of yourself. Or if you want to be owned by God, then you put yourself in the hands of God and you allow him to take care of you. I'm telling you, that's profound. It's profound. Running to win means my life is not my own. But that also means I'm owned by the one who has everything. This passage, though, goes on to teach us a few other things about God's grace that he's given to us to accomplish his plan. Look with me really quick in verses 25 and 26. It says that all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it. For an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. This grace that God provides for us to accomplish his plan, to get to the center and to surround ourselves with everything that God has for us, this grace, this grace provides forgiveness. And forgiveness, without forgiveness, there is no purpose to run. If your sins and my sins could not be forgiven, why run after the center of God's will? Why not just run out in man's land and do whatever you want to? Because if there's no grace, then your eternity is spent away from God in a place called hell. That's what hell is. You want to know what hell really is? It's eternity away from God. Add in all the other pieces. All those other pieces don't even matter. Flames and demons and Satan, they don't even matter compared to eternity spent away from God. That's hell. But see, what does grace do? Grace allows for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins, which is not something that you have done. It's something that he has done. And when you come to grips with the fact that the grace of God 
it has the ability to forgive me of my sins, which my sins separate me from God, that God's grace is what allows me to get close to Him. It's God's grace that allows me to run after Him. It's God's grace. That grace now becomes the purpose of why you run. It becomes the motive. You're running for what grace is standing for. Grace is standing for God's heart of eternity with you forever. That's why God gives grace. Because God wants to spend eternity with you more than you want to spend eternity with Him right now. I guarantee it. As much as Ruth I would consider to be a saint, and at 97 walked into God's arms, I would still tell you that even in her life, God wanted eternity with Ruth King more than Ruth King could ever want eternity with God. It's impossible. It's God's grace that strives after you, longs after you, and says, I want to spend eternity with you. That's why I forgive you of your sins, so that we can be bonded together. Then the writer of 1 Corinthians goes on and he says, but I'm not shadow boxing. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I realize this life is no game. And how I live and how I run after God is no game. This is not shadow boxing. This is not just going through the motions. This is not just practicing. This is real life. And on this planet, while I'm here, before I'm in heaven with God, eternity with God has already started. Not shadow boxing. Eternity with God doesn't start the day you die. Eternity with God started the day that you decided to make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life. If you're here today and you haven't made Jesus the Lord and leader of your life, your eternity right now is spent on a trajectory that's away from God. It's not, I'm not trying to be mean, not trying to be judgmental, I'm not trying to be the doom and gloom guy. I'm just telling you, that's what it means. But you can have eternity with God, and it can start today, if you put your life in God's hands and you make Him the Lord and the leader. Don't just shadow box. Don't just go through the motions. Don't just play it as it's a game. This is life or death. Whether you're going to run after eternity with God or you're going to run away from it. But you need to know something. There's one standing at the finish line. His name is Jesus. And he's going, run this way. So what would it take for you to turn a 90 degree? What would it take for you to turn 90 degrees and run straight with a motive of eternity in mind? You're going to have to do the old-fashioned trust fall. You guys ever done a trust fall with some friends before? It's when you stand up on something high and you turn your back on them and they all put their hands out and they grab one another's hands and you don't get a look at them, right? And you just have to fall back like a board and hope that they catch you. That's when you discover if you really have friends or not. Hopefully when you did it, you had friends that caught you. And some of them you thought, you're much smaller than me. Do you know how much I weigh? But yet they caught you nevertheless. A trust fall with God in light of the fact that God wants to get you to the center of His will should be thought of more like this. If an object is in space and it loses, it loses its orbit around the earth, it loses it, right? And it starts to decay into the atmosphere of the earth. And it starts coming into the atmosphere of the earth. It's given up its orbit and it's coming in straight towards earth and it enters into the earth's, you know, lower altitude atmosphere. What happens to that item? It burns up. If you said burns up, put a little check mark on your notes. All right? That's a good one for you. It burns up. You see it with meteorites. You know, you see it, you see it with all kinds of things. You walk, look into the night sky every once in a while and you see this whoosh, 
something just burns up. Because when it gets caught in the earth's atmosphere and it comes blazing in, the heat of that just consumes that item and it burns it up. If you want to run straight, you have to do a trust fall with God, which means you have to give up man's orbit, an orbit that makes you happy, and you have to surrender to God and let God draw you to the center, which I'm telling you today, it's going to burn some stuff up inside of you. It's going to burn some things out of you. The Bible says that God's a consuming fire. That consuming fire that burns up that meteorite, well, think of it from a spiritual sense that when you give in to God and you start running with the motive, I'm going to spend eternity with you, God, then great, you're running towards God. There's going to be some things that get burnt up. Those things are healthy to be burnt up. It's called self. It's called sin. It's called the things that entangle you. It's the things that keep you away from God. It's self. So do a trust fall with God and allow Him to start to consume some of your life today. Allow God to burn up self. That's the attitude of surrender. That's the attitude of surrender. The desire to please self, though, I'm telling you, that's your worst enemy. Your worst enemy is what keeps you from getting to the center, from running straight to where God wants you. That's your worst enemy. It will always trip you up. Every single time, it'll trip you and put you flat on your face. And if it keeps tripping you up, you can't run. So listen to this, right? Pleasing self, pleasing self, it dies on the altar of obedience. Pleasing self. If you want to put self to death, it dies on the altar of obedience. But obedience, though, where's obedience found? Where's the altar of obedience? The altar of obedience is found in God's word. So let's do a little equation, right? If you read God's word and you obey it, self dies. Self dies, it gets consumed and burnt up. That's running straight to the center of God's will. It's that simple. Read it, obey it, self dies. Avoid it, do your own thing, self lives. You never get to the center. I mean, this is not rocket science. Although we're talking about orbital decay. It's not rocket science. Read it, obey it, and self dies. The last thing in this passage that talks to us about God's grace and His attitude of wanting to pull you and helping you to run straight to the center of His will is found in verse 27. Take a look at this with me. It says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should. Disciplining yourself, realizing that this journey of running straight, just running versus walking, it, it requires discipline. You know, running versus walking requires training. Have you, have you tried to run lately without training? Let's just go on a little run together. Let's see who collapses first. I might collapse before we get out of the parking lot. I don't know. I don't run very well. This body isn't built for running, right? I think it's more built for like battering things. I don't know, but it's heavy. I got big bones. I don't know. I feel like gravity is twice as heavy on me than it is on some others. I don't know what that is. Maybe you feel the same way. I don't run physically very well. But if I want to run, I realize this. It's going to require a lot of training and a lot of discipline. Well, spiritually, what does that look like for you? What does that look like? I want to help you figure out maybe what could you discipline more so that you could run straight? What could you, how could you train more efficiently so that you could run straight after God? And to do that, you need to assess yourself based on one simple word called shape. Shape. Okay? The word shape. Consider this with me. 
The word S stands for spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts. These are the things that God supernaturally gives you. You discipline these, you train these things, and you run more crisp towards the center of God's will. The H stands for heart. Right? These are the things that you have a passion for, a thing you have a love for. These are, just, these are natural. You have passion and love for them. These are the things you talk about quickly, you talk about fast. These are the things about the world around you that just kind of like, mm, they light your fire. Your A is your abilities, though. These are more your natural talents. These are the things that you just naturally do. On any given day, at any given moment, you can just make these things happen. You know what they are right now. These are natural abilities. God gave you those. And he wants to harness those and equip those and train those so that you can run more straight after him. Your, the P is your personality. You've got to look at yourself and go, where is my personality? Where, where's it best suited for? You know, in, in God's kingdom. Maybe your personality is more outgoing and it's fun and it's fun-loving. And you're, you're 50 years old, but you, you really see your life more as a 16-year-old. It's not because of the way you act necessarily. It's just the way you see yourself. So maybe you want to work with our our young people you know maybe it's just that man your personality is one that's just bent towards kids so you want to get involved with kids ministry maybe your personality is you're 35 years old but you think more like 65 you want to get involved with roger in our legacy ministry maybe your personality is just outgoing and bubbly and fun and you want to get involved in our you know our red carpet team maybe your personality is more introverted maybe you want to just get involved in a prayer team or in some administration, or you want to jump in someplace. But your personality, and God wants to help you equip and shape and train even your personality so it can be used more to run towards the center of His will. The last thing in shape, though, is E. That's your experiences. And you look at your life and you evaluate, what spiritual experiences have I had? What painful experiences have I had? What educational experiences have I had? What ministry experiences have I had? And all these experiences, God wants to use these things and shape them. And he, he wants you to put yourself in, in places to get different experiences so that you can run straight after Him. Now, you can evaluate all these things. But the hardest one for you to evaluate is S, your spiritual gifts. What are those things? Well, listen, that's, that's an area where things kind of get a little foggy. But I'm going to send you out on a personal journey this week. I want to send you out to a website called churchgrowth.org. You go to churchgrowth.org, over on the right-hand side is a little button that you can click, and it says spiritual gifts. Now, you're going to go there, and you're going to answer like I did this week, 108 questions, and you're going to find out some things about yourself, of which I did. And I, I, took, I took the test, and it came back with the same answers it always does, which is a good thing, because it's fairly consistent. It's going to be somewhat vague. It's, not going, to, it's going to be more of a compass heading than it is a detailed, fine print pathway. A compass setting. It's going to point out some things about some, maybe some possible supernatural gifts that God's given you that He wants you to equip and to train and to discipline. I want you to go there this week. I want you to search it out. And if you want some help with how to, how to discipline those things and train those things, get a hold of one of our pastors. Get a hold of your life group leader. Ask them, what can I be doing? But assess the whole package of your life. You shape to look at your entire life to discern maybe what should you be doing to train your life and to discipline your life so that you can run more straight after God's will. But the last thing you want to run straight is there's perseverance that's required. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If you want to run straight after God, some simple, simple things in this verse. Throw off the things that hinder you. You've got to lighten your load. You've got a backpack of issues in life and stress and sin in life and you know, life habits that just keep tripping you up. You got a backpack you're carrying around. It's got like three or four bowling balls of life in it. How are you ever going to run? How do you run for any length of time? You're not. You're going to feel, you're going to get depressed. You're going to feel, you know, out of shape spiritually really quickly. You're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to feel overwhelmed. But you're trying to run, but you're not willing to lighten the load. No. First thing is lighten the load. Throw off the things that hinder you. Perseverance, that requires confession. That requires honesty before God. To run with perseverance would literally mean to run regardless of how you feel, though, or what you see. To run with perseverance means it's not about how you feel. I don't know that I feel God right now, Jeff. Run anyways. I I pray, but it seems like I I hit a brick wall. Run anyways. I look around me, and it seems like life's falling apart. Run anyways. It's not about what you see with these eyes. What you see with these eyes are passing away. It's what you don't see with these physical eyes that you're running for. It's about eternity. I want to take you for a moment back to 1992. The Summer Olympics, 1992. And there was a runner from Britain. His name was Derek Redman. Derek Redman had to understand what it meant to run with perseverance. The race marked out for him. Why don't you take a look at Derek Redmond's view, the race of perseverance. He's your heavenly father. He's the one who's come alongside of you. He's the one that's spurring you. He's challenging you. He's going calm to the center. He's cheering you on. He'll come out of the stands. He'll come from nowhere. He'll come alongside of you. He'll pick you up, but he's looking for a heart of perseverance. Someone who's willing to put their complete life into his hands, into his grace, and realize it's about you. You're the one that I'm running for. It's an eternity of running after God, running straight for him. Every runner is going to face challenges. There is a cost to running straight. The choice you have to make today is do you want to stay on the comfortable track of walking? Because you can. You can still be in God's kingdom. Or you can choose to run. Give it all. Give it all one piece at a time. One piece at a time. Running to the center of God's will. But I'm going to tell you today, it's going to cost you. So what is it today? What is it today that God's saying to you? What's he saying to you about what hinders you from running? What's he saying to you about the sins that need to be thrown off? What's he saying to you about the level of perseverance that's required to accomplish what God has for your life? What's he saying to you today? How is he calling you to the center? How is he spurring you on to run? Whatever that is, your answer and my answer should be simply this. God, I'm going to put my trust in you. And I'm going to let you burn up the things that easily entangle me, that hinder me from running straight after you. Why don't you stand with me today? Let's just come before God in an attitude of prayer. What are the things that God's saying to you today? What what are those things that he's saying, these hinder you? These are the things that 
are keeping you from running after me. This is the attitude that you've been running with, but I want you to run with an attitude of perseverance. What is it that God's saying to you today? And in an attitude of prayer, let's just bring those things to God and let's find ourselves saying yes to Him today. Father, as we come to You, though we know that You're like that father, like Derek's father, who came out of the stands and helps to pick us up when we fall. You help to pick us up because your desire for our lives is that we would run straight after you and that we would finish and that we would finish to win. That's your attitude. You don't want us just to finish the race. You want us to finish with the attitude of winning the race. So Lord, we stand before you as people that have fallen many times, some discouraged to run, some discouraged to even believe in running, Some of us are fearful of committing, but we run right past the center of your will and back and forth. And others of us, we take rabbit trails in our spiritual journey only to find discouragement. Really, what you're looking for is a complete attitude of surrender. Because you'll pick us up and you'll run with us. And if we run with you, we'll we'll be right where you want us to be. Make us a people of perseverance that we run straight in our spiritual journey, maximizing all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.